This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From our living rooms, as we practice social distancing, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Kyle. And today on the podcast, our delightful interview with Team Orby Captain Chuck Yu Wong. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots, or check out our website at www.behindthebots.com. And tell a friend, we really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have nine news items for you today. First up, we travel to South Korea, where Team Orbi Captain Chuk Yu Huang posted photos of a handmade custom electric violin that he built for his wife and teammate who works as a professional violinist. I won't give up too much uh, information about our interview with Chuk. It's incredible. Uh, we're going to get to the violin in like an hour from now. But um, this is really just such a delight. He talks about this huge CNC machine that he built, um, which allows him to make his own parts, you know, um, and apparently his own line of violins. Um, so, Chris, I know you saw photos of this violin. What did you think? I mean, coming from like a design agency background that would produce like, you know, really amazing products and stuff. This, I, I can't even believe it. Um, like, it looks like it came out of like a world leading like design studio, but he just, he, he put it together for, it was his girlfriend, right? Uh, wife. Yeah. Wife. Put it together for his wife. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, I, I never seen an electric violin before. I was kind of like, uh, it looks very like industrial and super on brand. It's the same color as blade. Um, it has the team Orby logo on it. Um, it just looks like you can just shred on this thing. It's, it's pretty awesome. It looks like, you know, it would, it'd be something like the front man would be playing in a Rod Stewart music video. <laughs> from like an epic like 1990 you know song yeah totally um chuck is so cool um you are going to love this interview so uh stay tuned on over to uh silicon valley where tantrum captain aaron hill this week showed off his bot's new self-writing mechanism in a video posted to facebook once complete the bot self-writing arms will have fists at the ends with nozzles that turn them into flamethrowers Shadow Captain Adam Wrigley is launching a new Build Diary series on YouTube. In this first episode posted this week, the team revealed they've adopted a billet aluminum frame this season with redesigned weapon support rails and a modular front armor attachment system that will allow them to swap out their defensive configuration based on their opponent. 
Witch Doctor Captain Andrea Galately is selling autographed copies of her Combat Robotics picture book. B is for BattleBots for $25 each. Pick up your own autographed copy on the team's Facebook page or their website, www.teamwitchdoctor.com. And make sure to use the hashtag behind the bots promo code at checkout to get $0 off your purchase. <laughs> yeah, I think I think if you use that promo code, she uh, refuses to autograph that book. <laughs> and you don't get it in the mail. <laughs> Huge Captain Jonathan Schultz this week posted a delightful little throwback video from 2018 of his bot's very first test drive conducted at midnight on a suburban street in Connecticut. The team writes that they conducted the test after their creative parts had shipped to BattleBots. So in a pinch, they cut out massive wheels and supporting legs from plywood, which they tacked onto the bot's body as it lurched around the street. It is so delightful. It really captures the joy that comes from seeing this bot for the very first time, just like come to life. Chris, I know that you've seen this video. What are your thoughts? I watched it like five times. It looks like one of those gigantic wire spools that would like follow a Verizon truck uh, just sprung to life and is just kind of dragging itself through this suburban neighborhood while just uh, like a, a gaggle of, of people are just running around get, like laughing like giddy school children. It's really, really <laughs> funny. I would highly recommend you watch it. Watch it a couple of times. It gets funnier and funnier. Overhaul Captain Charles Guan posted a video this week of his electric blue grappler bot lifting one corner of what appears to be a fully loaded shop table. All bots with lifting mechanisms need to demonstrate that they're capable of lifting at least 250 pounds to a height of 12 inches or more, according to the 2020 season's design rules. Speaking of the design rules, in a story that most of us fans missed, BattleBots made some minor changes to the 2020 rules earlier this month notably around magnets and weighted weapons. The organization writes, quote, if you plan on using magnets on your bot, except in motors, solenoids, and relays, you have to provide us with the details of use and get preliminary approval. On the subject of weights, BattleBots writes, quote, if you have weights attached to a spinning weapon, you have to provide us with details of the attachment method and get preliminary approval. At the contest, the safety inspectors will examine your bot to determine if the weights are likely to separate from the weapon. Rule changes are usually due to something unexpected happening, like a mysterious new bot appearing with electromagnets and a weighted spinning bar. Kyle, thoughts on uh, on these very mysterious changes to the design rule, rule set? Uh, I think that the first rule is not that mysterious. Um, so we... We know that they have a shiny new floor, and we know that it's a solid piece of steel, and we know that uh, that's probably creating a magnets on the bottom of your robot race amongst a lot of the builders, probably a lot of the Hammerbot builders specifically. Mm. Um, so yeah, probably Pete Abramson looked at the specs for some of these electromagnets that were coming in and said, holy cow, they're going to break our new floor. Um, like peel up the corners because these magnets are too powerful. We need to address this. Um, and knowing how some of the builders think, they probably said, well, you never said we couldn't have magnets that were that powerful. So Greg was like, well, you're right, and put it in the rules. Um, so that that actually makes a lot of sense to me. I know that Chomp allegedly has a magnetic aspect to it. Uh, I know Shatter was talking about having a magnetic aspect to it so that like magnets mm -hmm. engage the floor when the hammer swung. 
just so they could have all the force in the hammer and none of the force in the bounce of the robot. Um, you know, and these are alleged changes. These aren't confirmed. Um, but as far as the other rule goes, the only robot I could think about or like what this made me think about was yeah. uh, a chopper. <laughs> All right, Kyle, Kyle, you have to tell us the legend of this bot because uh, I've seen renderings of it. I've, I've heard of it kind of like whispered. Um, and there's there's a lot of intrigue around it. It's like what what is the story of of Hella Chopper? Hella Chopper is the Chuck Norris of BattleBots, um, <laughs> sort of. Uh, there are memes about Hella Chopper. There is much discussion about Hella Chopper. Said that they had the most powerful weapon in BattleBots history. The team said that their weapon broke the sound barrier. Um, <laughs> there, that's not a joke. Uh, they, they, it was like a tanked robot with a with a caged bar spinner on top, but um, they, it came with a flail option, like extendable flails. So like these weights or hammers would come off of the bot from wire rope and uh, would extend out past it. So then, you know, its, it's point of impact was out further than the bot. And the energy would have to transfer through that wire rope before it ever made it back to Helitrapper. From from a design standpoint, it's a great way to develop a weapon that you don't hurt yourself when you're using it. Um, but also from a design standpoint, it's a great way to create a piece of six pound metal that flings itself towards uh, you know the the glass with uh, the audience directly behind it at the speed of sound. So yeah. you know, not necessarily the best idea. Um, the big problem with Hello Chopper this season that it tried to be on the show was it kept setting itself on fire during <laughs> testing. So that mixed with the fact that, you know, its weapon was entirely unsafe meant that they never passed safety and they were never actually allowed to compete. Um, and the Hello Chopper team, you know, hashtag too dangerous to compete was what they wanted to claim for themselves. And that's what they said to everybody. Uh, but really, it was probably a case of two catches on fire too much to compete. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, especially now that we're in COVID-19 times and we don't know what's happening and who's allowed to come, they've reached out to the Helichopper team and we're like, hey, what will it take you to get Helichopper ready to compete? Um, and then they realized they should probably put some things in the rules to make sure that, you know, the flails on Helichopper are appropriate and safe. That's what I'm speculating. Who knows? There could be a million other robots they're talking to with that same idea. I couldn't imagine adding weights to like a bar spinner or a drum spinner or anything like that because you just would have too many balance issues. Um, but I could see the the kind of helichopper flailed weight system making some sense uh, with this rule. So who knows? Okay, Kyle, I have two questions. First off, faster than the speed of sound. So Mach 1 is 770 miles per hour. So Correct. you're saying Helichopper's blades would be spinning at uh, three times the recommended maximum speed at BattleBots. Is that correct? That is what the team claimed. Now, if you actually <laughs> look at the motors, if you actually look at the motors that they were using, it would be pretty impossible for them to actually generate those. But yeah, there was not, as I recall, there wasn't as stringent a, a speed limit placed on your weapons back then. Um, you know, they, so they, they thought they could get away with it, but the BattleBot safety team 
uh, being concerned and awesome people as they are, said no. <laughs> now, question two. Uh, so what what's the benefit of putting weights at the end of your helicopter blades? Is it is it just so that when they get damaged, they're easy to replace versus if you cut them and welded them into place? Um, or, or was it that they could increase the weight, you know, for certain opponents or decrease it if they needed to improve their, their defensive, uh, you know, posture? Imagine a really chromed out son of Wayachi. Okay. With yeah. tank treads instead of wheels. That's okay. helicopters. The hammers <laughs> were on wire rope. And okay. they, so, they, so they could extend out past the box when it caught up to speed. So these hammers would be flailing, um, you know, the same speed, basically, actually a little bit slower, I'd imagine, just based on the motors used. At Son of Boyachi, um, they'd be flinging themselves around the bot, but connected to these wire ropes. And then you could change the what what hammer you use depending on your opponent and the armor that that they have theoretically, right? But that right. means that you have something connected to a wire rope spinning around inside the battle box at God knows how fast. You know, let's just say for sake of argument, four hundred miles per hour, that could very yeah. easily snap off and fling itself into the polycarbonate. <laughs> um, okay. Or, or, All right. Half the polycarbonate. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, you have now in the last four minutes turned me around from a hella chopper, uh, you know, doubter to a total believer. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I mean, I want to see this thing, you know? It, in Maybe in this arena where there are not, is not going to be an audience, right? In COVID-19 BattleBots, you could yeah. have uh, this kind of a weapon relatively safely um but i would not want that kind of a weapon in any kind of arena where there's a live audience watching it um i i know that there's probably somebody uh who's much smarter at uh physics uh than i am and uh, i would love to get a calculation of what the force would be if you had a uh, one, one of these these hammers snap off and fly 48 feet across the uh the battle box and uh, hit the Lexan, you know, at 700 miles an hour, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, like, is it, uh, is it more than, I'm, I'm a, I just, is it like the same as a bullet? Is it a cannonball? I mean, I don't know. Like that's, uh, it's intriguing. Get, get some mathematicians I bet it'd be on more it. than a cannonball. I bet it would be more than a cannonball. You know, who we should have on the show is Pete Abramson. I mean, if we're talking about the physics of the battle box and what it can actually contain, he's, he's the guy to talk to. True. On over to Nelly, the Ellie bot captain and animal crossing new horizons fan, Sarah Malian, who this week painstakingly replicated the 2019 hypershock jacket in the game in a feat that she says took two hours and three cups of tea. If you're interested in getting your own copy of a digital Hypershock jacket, check out Sarah's post on the BattleBots group on Facebook, or simply put in this code, MA20814444182. And finally, if you've ever tried emailing Bronco Captain Xander Rose recently and he hasn't got back to you, we now know why. Uh, he has an incredible number of unread emails in his Gmail inbox. 
so I'm very curious. Uh, okay, first off, before before we guess, because I'd, I'd love to hear your guesses. Kyle, are you one of these zero inboxers? Like, do you uh, do you have unread emails in your Gmail inbox? I was a zero uh, zero inboxer before it was cool. Um, it's just better for my brain. Yeah. To put all the messages into folders and uh, you know get rid of the ones that I'm not going to need. Uh, otherwise, I get very stressed out looking at my emails. How about you, Chris? Are you a zero inboxer? Uh, I'm a zero inboxer. Sometimes when I come back from a vacation, that kind of gets uh, shelved for about a, a month or so. But uh, yeah, I, I generally can't stand to see a number in parentheses. Right. How about how about you, Lindsay? Zero inboxer. I'm a zero inboxer at work, but I just checked my personal Gmail account and I have yeah. twenty thousand two hundred and three. <laughs> Lindsay, Lindsay. Okay, are these people who are trying to get in touch with you? Oh, many, many people just trying to get in touch with me. Twenty thousand. <laughs> uh, like stuff that didn't make it into the promotions uh, tab for whatever reason. They're not okay. real. I'm not going to respond to them. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess my big question for you is, why don't you just unsubscribe from all those emails then? Because it that takes work. <laughs> and just ignoring an email takes no work. <laughs> it's called um, prioritizing my time, Luke. Um, so, okay. So, Lindsay, you you will understand uh, Xander Rose's predicament here um, uh, because you know you're you're two birds of a feather, which you know is is good good company to be in. Uh, Kyle, I'm curious, how many unread emails do you think Xander Rose has? Price is right rules, closes without go, go going over. I was going to guess 10,000 because he's working on that 10,000 year clock. And so it was just <laughs> going to be, you know, like the, the association thing. Maybe he's got a thing about instead of a zero inboxer, he's a 10,000 inboxer. Um, but good. now after hearing about Lindsay's, I, I'm very that answer. Okay. Chris, uh, how many unread emails do you think Xander Rose has in his Gmail inbox? Lindsay, how many did you have? 20,232. 20,233 is my final answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lindsay, uh, give us give us your best guess. Shoot uh, for the moon, Lindsay. You so, know what's possible. Yeah, I guess my original guess, the number that I had in my head was 34,000. But now that I know that little old me has 20,000 and I don't talk to anyone, I can imagine that someone in uh, Xander Rose's, you know, position would have would have quite a bit more. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go forty two thousand. <laughs> forty two thousand. Uh, Lindsay, I'm happy to report that you are correct. No, Xander Rose correct. What? Xander Rose has nearly seventy one thousand unread emails in his inbox. Wow. 71,000. That's impressive. <laughs> Xander, help me. I'm stuck in the garage. I'm sitting <laughs> under a toolbox. Uh, so, okay. So I did the math. And if, if he sat down and he did nothing for, for eight hours a day, five days a week, uh, you know, nothing else, literally nothing else. And he spent 60 seconds on every single email responding to all of them. 
he would get through his inbox somewhere around February of 2021. Wow. Um, as, as part of a solution, uh, Xander said that he supports the increasingly popular idea of an email forgiveness day where we make it socially acceptable to zero out all of our email inboxes every new year. Wow. And It'd be like it. the purge. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Team Orby Captain Chuck Yu Wong. This week on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Team Orby Captain Chug Yu Huang. Chug Yu is entering the 2020 season of BattleBots with the futuristic horizontal bar spinner Orby Blade, a hard-hitting heavyweight that he previously took to King of Bots in China. He's at the forefront of the sport in South Korea, a country that's just beginning to embrace combat robotics. Last year, he invited several BattleBots builders to compete at an antweight competition, IRC, in 2019. We're looking forward to getting into all these topics in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Chug. Hello, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for coming on. We yeah. talk about your bot a lot on this podcast. We talk about everything you build and post to social media. So we're really excited to get to know you today. So we wanted to start by learning more about you. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us where you live and what you do. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you, uh, thank you so much to invite me. And uh, yeah, I live in Seoul, in Korea, and uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. And so my major is mechanical engineer, and I'm doing, I'm, I'm designing some robots for my job. And I was a self-employed mechanical engineer until next uh, last year, but now I'm working for a big company. I cannot tell the name of the company. That's uh, that's mysterious. I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, can you talk at all about what kind of robots you build? I, uh, mm, I think every type of robots because uh, I'm designing for uh, designing some service robot platform and also some factory automation equipment and. Also, like a humanoid or combined robots or something, just everything. If the boss gives me the money, <laughs> that sounds like a wonderful job. That's amazing. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, so, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your introduction to combat robotics. Can you tell us how you first learned about combat robotics um, and uh, where you like learned about the sport? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a middle school student, uh, the robot wars from the United, United Kingdom starts to broadcasting in Korean TV. So first time I, I, I watched the TV show, I just been a big fan of the combat robots because uh, at the moment my hobby was RC car and it was a little bit similar but uh, more complex and more cool. So. Uh, after after I watched that, I just decided I have to do that. So after several years, uh, when I go to the university and I made my first first combat robot, it was about five five kilograms and very small uh, horizontal disc spinner. But 
at that time there were no competition and no builders in Korea, so I have to play with the small robot alone, and yeah, alone with the old part. So that's the first time I built the robot. Did that robot have a name? I forgot that. <laughs> yeah, it was. Did you have a favorite robot from Robot Wars when you got to watch that in Korea? Ah, uh, yeah, of course. My favorite was Kilohertz and Razor. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, also, also Motis. And because Motis, Team Motis using a very cool transmitter. Do you remember that? The I do. Very, yeah, yeah, very big one. So <laughs> I bought the same one and still using that. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so we have a listener question from Richard Sum who asks, Korea is known for being one of the more advanced nation in terms of technology. But how big is the combat robotics scene in Korea? Oh, well, uh, Korea is uh, advanced in technology, but it's heavily leaning towards software and coding. And the combat robot scene is very limited now. Uh, I guess the uh, big reason is that people don't have enough space to build. And because uh, Korea, as you know, Korea is a very small country, so they have not enough, not enough space and to build and practice. There was a robot competition TV show in Korea about 10 or more years ago, and it was a big hit. And lots of teams were building bots and competing, but it started to wind down after like five or six years. Uh, the reason uh, there was um, there was no active weapon rule, so the participants all started building either horizontal uh, blades, yeah, horizontal spinners or weaponless wedge robots. And the game got so bland and not fun and people totally lost interest. Ever since, the robot fighting scene never grew back. Wow. That's uh, something that Trey and Greg talk about a lot, like that, that mm. they want to avoid that dynamic. Uh, yeah. um, that's interesting. So Richard has a second question. Mm -hmm. What does the future look like in that respect, and do you anticipate more Korean teams coming to BattleBots in the future? Uh, yeah, I, I hosted five and eight competition in Korea last year. And one of them named IRC was an mm -hmm. international competition uh, where around 20 Korean teams and 17 international teams participated. Uh, and I hear from more people who are curious about combat robots. So I think it will be bigger than now, but not that easy. Uh, I think I I already put lots of effort to make it bigger, mm -hmm. but it grew so slowly. And and about the other other uh, competitors in Korea, uh, I know two other teams were worked on heavyweight and middleweight robots. Um, I hope they can participate in BattleBots in someday. Yeah, but. One of the team is so busy now, so he cannot do incumbent over things. So there's only one team in Korea now to who build the heavyweight robots. 
how many builders are there in South Korea in, in all the weight classes, do you think? Uh, I think now there's only about 20 builders. Yeah. About, about 10, 10 years ago, when the TV show was very famous, there were so many competitors, but now nobody makes it. Interesting. Yeah. When we had Zach Lytle um, and Diana Tarlson on the show, they mm -hmm. talked a lot about your arena. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were very impressed with the engineering of your arena. Um, so do you, can you tell us anything about how you built the arena? Oh, yeah. uh, I, I uploaded a making video on the YouTube about that. And uh, I built the arena by myself alone. And I designing it as similar as the uh, heavyweight arena. So it has a drum spinner on the wall and also the automated uh, pneumatic hammer on the corner of the wall. And also it has uh, two, two floor soles. But uh, I cannot make enough time to build it. Uh, as I told you, I made it alone, so so it was too hard to finish that on time. So I I cannot bought the distributor, uh, pneumatic distributor. So <laughs> I, so I I could use only only one wall hammer at the event. So maybe this year is hard to invite international teams, but next year. I can use all of the active, active, uh, active things in the arena. Yeah. I cannot wait to see those videos uploaded to YouTube. That would be uh, amazing to watch. <laughs> you can find that from my channel. That's yeah. I've watched quite a few videos on your channel. Uh, <laughs> um, just a, another question. Why do you love combat robotics so much? Oh, uh, because uh, it's simple. Because uh, as I told you, my job is uh, designing some robots. But the robots for the industrial use, it have to focus on the function. But uh, in case of common robots, I can do everything I want. And I, I often want to make, uh, make robots uh, to focus on the shape, shape more than function. So it is so feel free to me. So I love it. That's a wonderful answer. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get into King of Bots. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about how you got onto the TV show and what your experience was like? Uh, yeah, King of Bots. Uh, before before start the King of Bots season one, I try to try to do some combat robot things in Korea. So I started to make some antweight and uh, assembling the people who was who were made the robots uh, robots ten years ago. But it was so hard because nobody knows uh, somebody making combat robots until now. So 
But someday, my, my friend who was in my team at the second season, uh, the, there was not, not the second season. There's not the king of bots. It, its name was... Uh, the, uh, this is Fighting Robots? Yeah, yeah, this is Fighting Robots. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of my teammates told me there was a big event in China. So, so I met the manager at, at, in Korea. And we decided to, decided to participate in King of Bots season one. Yeah, but at the at the moment, the filming date was only one month left. So, uh, yeah, so KUB doesn't allow me to participate because there are no no time to build. Right. So, yeah, after one year, yeah, I participated in this is fighting robot with my friends. Uh, and that was an amazing time because I met so many famous roboteers at there, and I still I still uh, messaging with Dave Mons from Carbide, yeah, lots of messages, and yeah, also the Chinese team Chinese team was so amazing. They are so friendly, and they have yeah, they have lots of experience. So it was so wonderful. The, the show was not, not that good for me because it was not a competition. It was a show. Yeah. But yeah. But the roboteers make the time so wonderful. Huh. That's, a, that's a really nice remembering of that. We've heard a lot of um, kind of mixed stories about mm-hmm. King of Bots. Some very, very mm-hmm. scary stories, some very, very beautiful ah, yeah. stories. <laughs> <laughs> what was the scary story uh we heard you know about you know uh one of the work tables being electrified um uh-huh. they they could not t- nobody could touch the table until the battery ran out uh-huh. <laughs> um just lipo batteries are allowed to be out and everywhere you know um yeah. we heard about a lot of those those kind of like people's weapons going off in the pits mm-hmm. where everybody's working um, scary stuff, you know. <laughs> yeah, there were lots of scary stuffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we burnt lots of motors at the first season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So moving forward for applying to BattleBots, mm-hmm. um, how did you apply to BattleBots, and uh, what was that process like getting accepted? Uh, in fact, BattleBots was my my dream, one of my dreams. So, and Dave Morse from Kabite, he told me I have to go there. So, so I decided to apply and it was, it was so hard to make the applying video because, because my English and I have to editing the five minutes video and, and I'm, not a funny guy, so I cannot make a funny video. So I, I made a very, very boring five minutes video and sent to them. But but I accepted. <laughs> <laughs> um, you make beautiful things, so I can see why you were accepted. Do you Thank have you. a favorite BattleBots competitor? Oh. Uh, uh, it's hard to choose one <laughs> because 
I like so many, so many role builders and roles. So, but if I have to choose some, Vita. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Vita and also Warhead. It's yeah. tired, but yeah, but Warhead and Quantum. And yeah. Cobalt. And so, so many. So many. You're a big also fan hot, of the. Yeah. Uh, you're a big fan of the the British bots. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I also like Hypershock because it is beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and their color scheme and your color scheme complement each mm -hmm. other very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. The 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 more beautiful bots, I think, uh, like the ones that have a pretty aesthetic, are. Um, impressive to me you know like tombstone is a very effective bot but it's very mm -hmm. simple in its design you know the, the it doesn't have the same impact as hypershock when it comes into the box so i wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh covid19 mm -hmm. so earlier this year BattleBots was postponed due to covid19 and you yeah, um right. have you decided if you're planning to fly to america to compete in BattleBots? when they hold the event later this year or i mean do you not know <laughs> uh in fact i don't know because yeah it is very hard to go there this year because uh as you know covid19 is not finished yet and right. yeah if i go go there then i have to quarantine after i came back so i have to make about one month vacation yeah, so, uh, so maybe I lost my job if I go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the biggest problem. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I could see how that would be kind of hard to take an entire month off of work. And you, you yeah. said you've only been at this job for a year? Sorry? You've only been with this job for one year? N no. Uh, yeah, I changed my job on February this year. Oh, so yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah so you probably don't have that now. much vacation time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very sad, but yeah, it's true. <laughs> How are things in Seoul now uh, with COVID-19? How are you opening back up? Are things, you know, how are, how are, how is your city and your country dealing with the virus? Um, in Korea, we never locked down. Yeah. So, yeah, I still going working with subway or my own car. And everybody wearing masks, so it is not that bad. So, but uh, everyone think it is finished about, uh, about one or two months ago, but it starts again, so about 50 people a day infected. So we still, uh, yeah, we're still working very, very carefully. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Your, your culture seems to be a little bit better pre prepared for a pandemic. You know, mask yeah, wearing yeah. Is, is already accepted and normal. You know, you guys... Uh, seem to handle the virus in a in a much better way than I think a lot of Western countries. Yeah, I think so. So let's move on to a more happy talk a topic. Let's talk mm -hmm. about Orbi Blade. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Orby is beautiful. We uh, love it. Um, you know, the, the very first version, the second version, and what we've seen of the, the version you're making for BattleBots looks phenomenal. Um, so can you describe Orby Blade? What does it look like? What does it do? Uh, yeah, Orby Blade is a horizontal spinner, horizontal bar spinner with neon yellow color. And uh, I don't know how big is Tombstone, but anyway, Orby is, I think it is a little bit thin and it cannot move. Uh, I, it is not an invertible robot because uh, I like small wheels. So <laughs> I'm making, made a self-writer. It was not moved for the second version, but anyway, it has a self-writer. And yeah, uh, I think that is the special thing. It cannot move when it upside down and... <laughs> uh, that is the special thing about it is that it can't move when it's upside down. Mm-hmm. Not that it's beautiful, that its blade is very powerful, not that you have... Uh, what, six beautiful blade options, but that it can't move when it's upside down. Um, (laughs) I love, I'm really glad that you put a self-writer on the bot. I know you probably heard a lot of uh, critiques about that or a lot of people talking about that, you know, that that was the one thing that was like holding you back in in the, from winning the competitions in China. have you been, how is the testing of the self-writer going? Does it, is it working really well? Are you happy with it? Uh, for this time? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. In fact, I cannot test it yet because <laughs> one of the chain sprocket uh, didn't finish yet. So, but I changed all of the weak, weak gears to a chain drive with a very big chains. So I think it is okay for this time. And I also increased the gear ratio Cool. to, yeah, about 200. So, so I think it is okay. The first version was work, worked. And yeah, you also can see the self-writer working from my YouTube channel. Yep. But yeah, the first version was worked, but it never upside it down. But the second version was not worked, and it always flew when it hits. So it's it's irony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have a listener question from Jonas Kurz, mm-hmm. who asks, "What is your design philosophy?" Ah, my design philosophy. Uh, yeah, it's very simple. Uh, I can describe it with four words. Maybe, maybe five, anyway. Uh, my design philosophy is beautiful and mm, sophisticated and functional and minimal lines. Yeah, that's yeah. that describes it pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mad Catter teammate, Calvin Iba, who mm-hmm. uh, is a big friend of the show, we like him a lot, he asks... With your robots, uh, how much of your, or what percentage of your design is form and what percentage is function? Uh, I think 60% for the form and 40% for the function. 
<laughs> uh, yeah, the robots for yeah, as I as I told you, uh, the robots for industrial use yeah should focus more on the function. But I'm enjoying the freedom in combined robots, which uh, in a way in, enables me to focus on the form more. Yeah, so I can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> so form sixty percent. Um, our next question comes from Ross McCarriture, who -hmm. wants to know, when building Orby Blade, were you influenced by Tombstone, or was it per, uh, purely coincidental that your machines are so similar? Uh, I think whichever boat that has a horizontal spinner is influenced by the legendary Tombstone. I like the way the uh, yeah I like the way the horizontal spinner boat looks, but also try not to only focus on the weapon. And I think the only similar thing is the weapon type. Yeah. So if someone can see Orbi in person, I think he or she can understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, this is a personal question, but. Mm -hmm. uh, how heavy is your heaviest bar? Uh, did you did you see the picture of my bars? Four bars? I did, and they were yeah. beautiful. Ah, thank you. <laughs> and three of them has same weight. Yeah, it is about twenty six kilograms each. It's not that heavy. Yeah, and the desk carrot is much much more lighter, and it is about sixteen kilograms. Wow. So 57 pounds for all of the uh, Americans that are listening to this, just so everybody knows. Mm -hmm. um, that's interesting. So that's, that is on the lighter side for, for bar spinners, for sure. Uh, by the way, everyone loves the death carrot. <laughs> like all of the builders that we've talked to, uh, Diana from Scorpios, everybody uh -huh. thinks that the Death Carrot is amazing. Um, we can't wait to see it working in the box. We can't wait to see. Are you gonna? Are you going to paint it like a carrot? Oh uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yes, that <laughs> makes me so happy. <laughs> um, all right. So speaking of Diana Tarlson, we have mm -hmm. uh, a listener question from Diana, weapons operator, Scorpio's weapons operator, Diana Tarlson, who asks, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. if Peter Sparky Tail, the one pound robot I brought to Korea was built as a heavyweight on a scale mm -hmm. from one to 10, how much would you love it? Ah, uh, yeah. 10, of course. Yeah. It's, <laughs> 10, of course. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's very cute and looks like a bunny. And has a variety of cool weapons. It has a grabber and soul, and yeah, and it it was a big honor to me to compete with her and her husband, Jeshari Little. Yep. In my country, yeah, in my country, yeah, they were came in the IRC last year. Yeah, so she mm -hmm. is a phenomenal driver, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, right. I was uh, watching the videos from your competition. I was just very impressed with her driving skills. I thought she did yeah. a wonderful job. Yeah, right. She was a very good driver. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she also says, thank you so much for hosting a wonderful event and treating all of us competitors so well. 
That was the best that Zach and I have ever been treated at an event. She's She mentioned that on our show too. She said that you did a wonderful job hosting and taking care of everybody. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> My wife did lots of job for preparing the, yeah, preparing the event. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, so Mark Lee, who's the builder of K2 from BuggleBots, um, mm -hmm. He asks, would you ever consider building a mini blade for a series three of BuggleBots? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love to. But uh, the mini blade is an ant weight now, not, yep. a, not a beetle. So, but I'm planning to build a beetle weight blade soon. So when COVID-19 yeah, finished, then... I would love to participate in and meet my roboteer friends in England. Um, do you think we could convince Sarah and the BuggleBots crew to let you have a mini blade versus Daedalus fight? Because that sounds really fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah, first of all, I have to make a bitweight mini blade. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So BattleBots competitor Andrew Bergraff asks, mm -hmm. uh, he took third place at IRC in 2019 yeah, with, his yeah. uh, with his ant weight absurdity. He wants to know, how many hours of machine time do you spend making all of the parts for these beautiful builds? Uh, for the Blade version 3, um, the biggest part, the, uh, the weapon head, uh, that part took about three days to machine for one part. And yeah, the tiny parts uh, took about 10 minutes each. So it took totally two months for machining myself and one month outsourcing and about two weeks for Hardox water jet cutting and also two weeks for titanium cutting. And I still have to uh, have, have a long way to go with, with welding, assembling and coloring. And uh, for these days, I cannot use enough time to making things because uh, my new job is so busy. But in robot building season, I usually use five or eight hours a day to machining parts. And I using my self-made self CNC machine to build things. So it takes more time to machining than other good machines. You built your own CNC laser cutter is that what it is or is it a is it a water um, jet what? no 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 cnc uh, machining center got CNC it mill. yeah cnc mill oh yeah. wow that's really impressive um <laughs> <laughs> brandon stamper asks why do all the things you uh, you make look so beautiful ah uh, thank you for saying that <laughs> yeah um Building a visually satisfying robot is my first goal, uh, not only for the robot, but also for every machines and parts that I make. And it is always so exciting when people tell to my robots that it is beautiful. So that's the reason I want, why I make like that. <laughs> yeah. did, you, uh, did you read what my son calls Orby, Orby Blade? Ah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Space Tombstone. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it too. <laughs> um, so Julie Bean asks, maybe this is a dumb question, 
But why Orby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, when I was preparing for the Chinese competition, KOB, uh, two years ago, um, my team wanted to come up with a really forceful and unforgettable name because we are a newcomer, very new team. So we, uh, we came up with the name Orbi, uh, and which means, I don't know if it's a good idea to tell the real meaning here, at, at here, but anyway, I, uh, the real meaning was uh, our robot is better than yours. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it yeah, and it also means uh, revolving or a round round shape, and I think it is relate uh, enough to my robot. And also, I think this name is easy to remember, so I like this name so much. Me too. And I now that I know <laughs> what that stands for, that's amazing. In American slang slang terms, we would call that swagger. You got some swag <laughs> with that name. We, I love that. That's great. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. So um, every time we get questions from our friend Mary Catherine Carr, they end up at the end of our listener questions list because she always asks the best questions. So mm -hmm. uh, we're going to, to finish out the interview with some questions from BattleBot super fan Mary Catherine Carr, friend of the show. Uh, we love her to death. Um, she wants to know what are some fun facts about Team Orby and Blade that you'd like people to know. Mm, I think there are no fun facts in my team and robots because I think I'm not a funny guy. But uh, but one special fact in my team is uh, my team has a violinist. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, my wife is a violinist and she works in an orchestra in Germany and she has more winning point than me in Korea. Wow. Common robots. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, she gets the second place in the IRC. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah. So is she going I, to, are she going to bring the violin to BattleBots when you finally get to come? Uh, maybe because I'm, yeah, I made, uh, Orbi violin today, <laughs> so I'll post the picture tomorrow. Breaking news: uh, Orbi violin. <laughs> That's yeah, or amazing. Orby, yeah, Orbi electric violin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see it and hear it. <laughs> um, all right. So our next question from Mary Catherine Carr: mm -hmm. What are you most anxious about before a competition? Yeah, yeah. My biggest anxiety is. If the robot flips over and never never gets back from right, uh, or yeah, or my if my robot gets smashed so badly that it's impossible to recover. Uh, as you know, the self writer was not worked last time in KOB two uh, because I had to make the gear reducer so small, so it had not in, not enough durability durability. And every time the self-writer runs, all of the internal gears and shafts were broken. So I changed every gears to chain drive. And so I think it is okay for this time. And 
of course, I have to test it before I go to the BattleBots. And and as you know, heavy heavyweight robots are so expensive to build, and I don't have any sponsors now, so it's very hard to bring enough spares. So, uh, yeah, and you know how big effort I put in each and every piece of my bot. So, yeah, I hope my robot is okay after fight with very, very strong robots like Tombstone. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I hope you do well enough at BattleBots that Hyundai will sponsor your robot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but BattleBots not allowed that because Hyundai <laughs> no. is so so yeah, there's too big company. <laughs> yeah, too big of a company. We know. We've talked to Greg about the sponsorship rules and trade. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> we know. Thank we you. know. Um. So the next question from Mary Catherine Carr. Do you have mm-hmm. any advice you'd like to pass on to future roboteers? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, my first robot was, yeah, my first robot was built with the drill and saw and some hand tools. And I didn't have any fancy tools or big space to build, so I was just eager to build build a robot so if if someone really have a passion for it then just just start with it and start small and yeah and you can always seek help online there are countless resources and friendly roboteers who will help you and our last question from mary Catherine mm-hmm. carr what about robots most inspires you yeah, when I was yeah, I think I already told about this. Yeah, when I was younger, uh, I inspired by Razor and Warhead. Uh, they are piece of art, and and also the powerful acts of the kilohertz inspired me too. And now I love Quantum and Beta. Yeah. Thank you, Chug, so much for talking with us today. We can't wait to see Orbi Blade again. Thank you. And we can't wait for a time when you can come to the United States and compete in BattleBots with us. And uh, we can't wait to see Orby Blade in the box with all of the other BattleBots competitors. Um, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was really great. We really appreciate it. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for robots around the world. This week, we lost an incredible roboteer, Grant Imahara. Grant competed on the original run of BattleBots from 1999 until 2002 with his Axbot Deadblow. He remained connected to the combat robotics community after the show went off the air, and in 2003, wrote the book Kick and Bot, an illustrated guide to building combat robots. He hosted the Science Channel special Killer Robots, appeared multiple times at RoboGames, got involved with Megabots, and served as a special guest judge on the 2018 season of BattleBots. He is perhaps best known for his role as a builder in Mythbusters, where his sense of humor and can-do attitude inspired a generation of young engineers. Uh, I often said to to the Behind the Bots crew that he was 
my dream guest for the podcast. I am very sad that we'll never have the opportunity, but he really inspired a whole generation of people. And I'm so, um, so thankful that we got to see him. Um, my, <laughs> of all his robots, he built a lot of serious bots, a lot of really cool bots for movies. Uh, you know, I, I think we're all pretty familiar with what he did. But my favorite robot that he ever built was called Jeff Peterson, the animatronic human skeleton that he built for the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. I don't know if you guys watched that show when it was on. But it was pretty amazing. <laughs> he volunteered to build the skeleton in 2010 after Craig promised to get Grant 100,000 Twitter followers, which he accomplished in 24 hours. So a pretty good trade-off. Um, this bot, this robot, was uh, pretty spectacular. It was a, a humanoid skeleton dressed in a uh, suit that was much too large for it, wearing uh, Mardi Gras beads around its neck. And somehow Craig Ferguson had like the most amazing rapport with this robot sidekick. Um, and it was hilarious and funny. And Grant had to train the comedian who operated it to like use all the buttons. And I remember it was just like the funniest thing. It cracked me up on a nightly basis. And so for that, Grant, thank you so much. Did you guys uh, have any thoughts on, on Grant? Uh, the world lost a very uh, special person. I, um, I, you know, stumbled across Grant's career decades ago when I was uh, um, a young a young lad who dreamed of uh, marching off to California to work for ILM uh, back when uh, the uh, the prequel trilogy of Star Wars was just uh, you know just coming down the pipe, and um, it wasn't until you know a few years later that I really started to understand the brilliance of. You know, people uh, like Adam uh, and and Grant, and you know, you know, I, I followed their careers obviously very closely, very close, closely tied to the BattleBots community as well. Um, yeah, I, I don't even have too many words for it. It's really uh, just a terrible day. It's a really terrible day, and uh, you know, the the world is a little less bright without Grant. Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. Uh, we'll see you then, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.